Uh, so great to be with you guys. Good morning, everyone. Aloha. All right. Would you guys go ahead and open your bulletins? If you don't have your bulletins, uh, open your Bibles uh, to Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 5. We're going to continue our series on one another's. All right. And just by way of review, if I could remind us that the word one another occurs a hundred times, over a hundred times in the Bible, 94 of those instances of one another's is in the New Testament, okay? And uh, let me just say this up front right now, that uh, the premise of this series is that faith is lived out in the context of relationships, that the quality of your life and my life rises and falls on the health of our relationships. Now, <clears throat> I've shared this testimony before, but I got saved around 14 years old. I was born in the Philippines, but I grew up in L.A. all day in the early 90s. And along the early 90s in L.A. with the L.A. riots and gangster rap and gangster music, I got caught up in that and just completely rebelled against God, walked away, rebelled against my family, walked away from the church, and just complete rebellion, prodigal son to the max. And so much so, I started tagging our own church walls. It was terrible, right? Oh my gosh. And so when I gave my life to Christ, I'm like, okay, uh, the youth pastor of the church just moved from the Philippines. And, um, and Pastor Eugene, he goes, hey, John, John. I'm like, yes, but yes, Pastor. Like, hey, uh, you know, you need to stop making, hanging out with those gangster friends, you know, and drug dealers and all that. I'm like, oh, okay. And he is, he, this was his saying to youth kids all, all the time. He says, you show me your friends, I'll show you who you are. I'm like, what? He goes, you show me your friends, I'll show you who you are. You show me, if you hang out with your friends that are drug dealers, you're a drug dealer. I'm like, okay. And, and so there's this time where it was a good, it was a, a good, you know, small kind, legalistic way, but uh, it was a time for me to like, hey, start making right decisions. But this series of one another's, in the same vein, I'm going to ask you, show me the health of your relationships, and I will show you the maturity of your faith. Show me the health of your relationships. Show me how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children. Show me how you treat your neighbors, your coworkers, your bosses, those who are over you, those are your peers, those who are under you, and I will show you how spiritually mature you are. I will show you how the the depth or immaturity of your faith. You see here, because the word one another, in the Greek, it's called alelone, 94 times in the New Testament. Alelone one another, serve one another, love one another, bear one another's burdens, confess your sins to one another. And, you know, people always trip out. Oh, pastor, you know Greek and Hebrew? I was like, a little bit. But you know what the key to this is? It's called mnemonic devices. You know what mnemonic devices are? They're like little things to help you remember. So, for example, in Greek, the word for face is prosopon, prosopon. And how, you know how I remember that? You pour soap on your face. Oh! All right. And here's your, how you're going to remember a lay loan, all right? Which is one another. There's a lay you loan to one another. A lay loan. Ah! All right. Two Greek words for the day. Yes. All right. Anyways, so the word... This idea of your maturity in your faith is directly 
correlated to your relationships and the health of your relationships. Pete Scazzaro wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Leader, and this is what he essentially says, and here's the thesis of his whole ministry, that you cannot be spiritually mature if you're relationally immature. <coughs> immature in your relationships. If there's this incongruency of your relationships, there's an incongruency in your relationship with God. And this is why we're going through this series of one another. Show me the health of your relationships and I will show you the maturity of your faith. And so with that, we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 6. If we could all stand together, please. <coughs> Excuse me, Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. We'll be reading from the ESV. <coughs> I'll read. You can follow along with your eyes. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him, how? In a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we need you, O God. Just pray, Father, right now that you would perform heart surgery in each one of us. Where culture tells us it's about me, myself, and I. You got to look out for number one. It's the survival of the fittest. You got to come out on top. Lord, your word says that we lay our lives down for one another. That we serve one another. We love one another. That we bear each other's burdens and anxieties. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would right now, through your Holy Spirit, give a gentle persuasion, would you convince us, O oh Lord Jesus, of the importance of living in relationship, living in right standing in our relationships. Lord, that if there's any severed relationships, fractured relationships, O oh God, that you, Holy Spirit, would give us grace and strength, Lord. Those who are suffering, that they don't suffer alone, but we as a church could band together bear each other's burdens in Christ so that we'll fulfill the law of love. We love you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> so what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in freedom? So if you could imagine like a certain type of person who you would say, man, that, that person, that girl, that lady, that man, he's full of the Holy Spirit and he has freedom in Christ Jesus. Because before I studied this, I thought about um, one of the most influential people in my life. I only met her twice, but her name is uh, Nanai, which is a Filipino word for mom, Nanai Evelyn Thompson. She was a missionary from America who <clears throat> started uh, mission work excuse me, in Davao City, which is where my mom is from. And in Davao City, uh, she started Thompson Christian School, which is still around today. And, you know, her, my whole mom's family got saved because of Evelyn Thompson. 
Now, Evelyn Thompson, she was a firecracker, and she, she would say, man, that girl, that lady is so spiritual. She's so spirit-filled, and she has freedom in Christ Jesus. Two instances. One was she was in the jungles of Davao, and she was preaching the gospel, and they heard all the, in, I don't know how, like, they're not Manahuna, but in, in Filipino culture, like, the, the native, the, ab, the aboriginal, the um, man, they, the Igorots, like short head-hunting Filipinos, literally, they got her, they, 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 they held her captive, and they were going to go execute her in the village for preaching the gospel. As she was being dragged along, she's so full of the Spirit, so much freedom in Christ Jesus, that she started speaking in tongues. And as she was speaking in tongues, she spoke the dialect of that tribe. And they stopped what they're doing, they got down on their knees, and they received Christ, and the whole village got saved full of the Spirit and so much freedom. This one time, my mom, I didn't really know this, but she was a little bit of a kolohe. She was a little bit of a troublemaker. But my mom and her best friend in Bible college at Thompson Christian School, they snuck out and they watched a movie which was prohibited. And she told Renee, I was like, I felt so bad, but it felt so good because The Sound of Music is such a beautiful movie, right? And uh, that's how bad it was. That's how legalistic it was back then, all right? And so, um, and as they were finished walking, um, they were just, you know, kind of her and her best friend were walking. Uh, Nanai Thompson was like, the Holy Spirit told me you went to watch a movie. And they're like, ah! And they were like scared out of their wits. Like, man, she has this direct access to the Holy Spirit. What was that Holy Spirit? Okay, what else? And, and you just go and proclaim that. And so when I think of spirit-filled and freedom, I think of her. But, but, Galatians chapter 6, Paul, he begins to disperse, he begins to apply and illustrate what it means to walk in the Spirit, and to have freedom in Christ. Because if you remember Galatians chapter 5, talk, Paul says, hey, walk in the Spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? And Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that this is the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is you have these things. And he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 5. And also twice in verse 1 and verse 13, he says, hey, you were called to freedom. So live in freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ, and Holy Spirit living. Say, this is what you guys have to do. Galatian churches, Galatian believers, this is what you have to do. And immediately in chapter 6, he talks about what? Bear one another's burdens. So all this to say is that, would you write down in your notes, this is the big idea. This is the main point this morning. It is this, that a spirit-filled life is to live in community is to live in context with other people, is to live in relationships with one another. It is to do life together. That is what it means to be spirit-filled. But it is to live in community with two things. Number one is <coughs> mutual accountability. And secondly, personal responsibility. That those who are free in Christ Jesus, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we live in community together, but we do so with mutual accountability that brother i got your back you got mine brother sister let's go 
lock arms in arms and we're going to do life together. I got your back. Let's go through this. Whatever hardships, whatever sufferings you're going through, we're going to get through this thing together. But not only mutual accountability, but personal responsibility that even though we're, we're accountable to each other, we're ultimately responsible to God alone. That when we stand before God, we stand before God alone. And the thrust of Galatians 6 is that we are to bear each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. How many of you guys know that life is tough? There's a burden that you wear as a mother, as a father, as a student, as a single mom, that you wear and that, that, that is a weight that you carry. And you need brothers and sisters who would bear that burdens with you in Christ. Now, are you familiar with draft horses? Now, draft horses, it's kind of like they're almost like, you know the Budweiser commercial with those big old Clydesdale, like giant-looking big horses? Yeah, those are kind of, those are what we're referred to as draft horses. Now, here's a picture of a draft horse. They're big, giant, muscular animals, but they've been used for hundreds of years to pull great loads and to move heavy objects. A single draft horse like this can pull up to 8,000 pounds alone. 8,000 pounds pulling cargo, pulling, <clears throat> uh, going through the crops, 8,000 pounds. How many of you guys can guess how many two draft horses can pull together? 16,000 pounds, right? Makes sense? No. Two draft horses can pull three times as much. 24,000 pounds, almost exponential, when a horse joins up with another horse, they carry this burden together and it seems lighter and they can do three times as much when somebody bears the burden with them. And some of us here this morning, we've been carrying 8,000, 9,000 pounds and we're suffering and we're suffering alone. And we as a church, we have a mutual responsibility. We have a mutual accountability. I got your back. You got my back. Let's do this together as one. And all it takes is a reach out. All it takes is for you. You do not have to suffer alone. See, being spirit-filled and walking in freedom means that you live in community, but you do so with mutual accountability. I got you, you got me, but personal responsibility. See, oftentimes we, we choose one side. We think like, oh, I'm suffering through this. How come nobody at church has called me? How come my sisters haven't been there for me? How come my brother hasn't given me a text and let me know he's praying for me? I feel so all alone, but relationships, it is a two-way traffic, not a one-way street. That if you are suffering this morning and if you're feeling alone, you're not alone. You have to take the, the impetus on yourself to reach out to others. And you this morning, as the body of Christ, if we see someone, hey, I haven't seen brother so-and-so in a couple of weeks. I wonder if they're at. And if you know they're suffering, then you must be mutually accountable and reach out to them. All it takes is this, just bearing down burdens. Now, it's been a couple of months no it's been a couple of years since i've had a gym membership but apparently what i heard is that when you bench press 
right? And you're maxing out, and this is when you're maxed out, that's when you rip muscles and you develop new ones, and that's how you build muscles. And you're just ready to quit, and you're shaking, asking Jesus for help, right? And you're pushing through, and all you need is a person called a spotter. And the spotter will just come with his index finger and say, you got this, bro. You got this. No, no, it's all you, bro. It's all you. It's all you. You got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah, right? All it takes is one person to encourage you just to lift that small little burden, and you're just like, boom, like, oh, growth happened. Growth happened. Progress happened. Why? Because a brother or sister is there to carry this burden with you. So I have two main points this morning. Number one, would you write down? that the responsibility of spiritual maturity <coughs> involves gentle restoration and watchful correction. That if you are mature in the Lord, if you've been a Christian for a while and you love the Lord and you're walking in obedience, you have a responsibility to make sure that others are restored, but also you have a responsibility to watch yourself, self-correction. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, if anyone is caught in sin, maybe you, you notice, you heard, or, or, or you... It, became known to you that maybe someone here at church has marital unfaithfulness and they're walking in sin. If anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Heavy is the weight of spiritual maturity. First Timothy says, man, if any of you desire, if you want to be an elder or a leader at a church, it is a, noble, it is a noble aspiration for you to have. Like, huh? It's a noble thing to want to be a leader? Why would Paul say that? He says that because back then Christianity was illegal. Christians were being thrown into the Colosseum, eaten by lions. And so if, they were, if we're in China right now and the police came in, they saw me teaching, who would be the first to get thrown to the lion's den? the teacher or the leader. Heavy is the weight of spiritual maturity. So if you're spiritually mature, you and I have the responsibility to restore those who are falling. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 1. <clears throat> we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And let me just say this, okay? Only spiritual people should restore because only spiritual people carry and have the fruit of spiritual gentleness. You don't see it here in the English, but in the Greek, Galatians says this, those who are in the spirit, en pneumati, in the prepositional phrase, in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, living by the spirit, walking in the spirit, those who are in the spirit of God, should restore those who are falling away in the spirit of gentleness. So what Paul does is he connects gentleness and the fruit of the spirit together with those who are spiritually mature. And the action is not so much that we restore, but the way that we restore is through gentleness. 
that you don't go and, hey, brother, where have you been? Oh, how can you miss in church? The Bible says in Hebrews that we should not neglect the assembly of the brethren. Oh, what's wrong with you, brother? You get your stuff together, bro. Jesus is coming back. You know, and, and that, that is not spirit of gentleness, right? So it's this idea and the, the way in which we restore it is through gentleness. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? And with how? With gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. You know, Richard Dunnigan um, wrote this idea of gentleness. At their school carnival, our kids won free for, free for goldfish. So I went out that morning to find an aquarium. The first few I priced ranged from $40 to $70. Then I spotted it. Aha! Right in the aisle, a discarded 10-gallon display tank complete with gravel and filter for five bucks. The catch, of course, was it was nasty and dirty, but the savings made the two hours of cleanup a breeze. Those four new fish looked great in their new home, at least for the first day. But by Sunday, the following day, one goldfish had died. Too bad, but there's three remained. Monday morning revealed a second casualty, and by Monday, a third goldfish had gone belly up. We called an expert, a member of our church, who has a 30-gallon tank. It didn't take him long to discover the problem. I had washed the tank with soap, which is an absolute no-no. My uninformed efforts had destroyed the very lives I was trying to protect. Sometimes in our zeal to clean up our own lives or the lives of others, we unfortunately use killer soap. Condemnation, criticism, nagging, fits of temper, righteous indignation. We think we're doing it right, but our harsh self-righteous treatment is more than they can bear. So if you're not going to restore if you're not going to have gentleness, don't try to restore anybody. You're, do, you're making it worse. Those who are filled with the Spirit should restore those who have fallen away. Secondly, would you write down <coughs> that we stand together in this life, but we stand alone before God in the life to come. That we stand together, arm in arm, in this life, but we stand alone before God in the life to come. You see here, there's no easy out. We cannot blame the church. We cannot blame other brothers. We cannot blame other sisters. Oh, how come they never called me? Oh, how come they never texted me? How come they never reached out to me? How come they never connected with me? Because Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, putting this thing to rest, in verse 5, Paul says, you know what? For each one will have to bear his own load. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, then each of us will have to give an account of himself to God. We do life together in this life, 
in this world, but when we face God, we stand before God alone. You cannot bring your parents, you cannot bring your auntie or uncle, you cannot blame church, you cannot blame a pastor why you never committed and followed through with the Lord, that you, when you stand before God, you and I stand before God what? Alone. Each one of us will have to give an account of how we lived our lives. You know, there's, when we were in the AV room, um, and we had uh, early Saturdays, <coughs> Sunday set up, there was a man, I'm not going to describe him too much because after I mentioned him in the first service, he goes, oh, I know who you're talking about. It's a Japanese guy with a white Labrador and a gray truck. I'm like, yes, that's him. But anyways, I just, I just ratted him out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Snitches get stitches where I come from. Anyways, and so um, this man comes up and we're about to church. You know, I'm, I'm bringing the babies and it's six in the morning. He's like, oh, brah, is that your car? I'm like, no, it's not my car. He goes, oh, that, you, what, you, you guys don't know how to park or what? I'm like, it's not my car. It's somebody else. We just kind of pulled in. He goes, oh, you guys, you guys park like junk. Why you guys park like that? You know what? Are you guys from the New Hope Church? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I never like come to your church. You don't know how to park. That's why. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Can you imagine him before God? You've been given 80 years on this earth. How come you never went to church and committed yourself to the body of Christ? Oh, somebody didn't park straight. Are you serious right now? When, when we stand before the Lord, we stand before God alone. In our relationships, you guys, we... Could I just say this? There's no need for you to suffer alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. If you're feeling alone, reach out. Because that's what a relationship takes. You got to be able to reach out. Others will reach out to you, but sometimes you, you don't wait for others to reach out to you. And for those of you here, maybe your life is doing good, but you notice maybe a brother or sister that hasn't been around. You don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. You see this dynamic, this relationship where, yo, you have to come all the way to me. You got to cross the line, right? You know, traverse through the mountains, cross the sea so that you could talk to me. Or I had to talk to you, but it's this meet in the middle. I got you, you got me. Let's do life together. Let's bear each other's burdens in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one, you see here, each one may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. <clears throat> Guys, we're, we're all we've got. If you know, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to have freedom in Christ, Live in community. Don't believe this nonsense of esoteric Christianity where this, oh, I have this experience, you know, spiritual experience experienced by few. But in the context of community where we are mutually accountable, where we are personally responsible to God, 
when we bear each other's burdens, that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. And, and could I just say this too, that bearing each other's burdens doesn't have to be like through the bad stuff and the nasty stuff, but the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice, right? I had a lunch with a brother this week who goes to church, you know, and not as consistent, but, uh, you know, I followed up with him because I'm studying this. I'm like, oh, man, I got to reach out to those who are kind of falling away. So I reached out. We had lunch, and he says, hey, Pastor John, we're going to have a baby boy, my wife and I. I'm like, oh, awesome. We just found out this week. And I said, hey, brother, can I encourage you? Could I speak into this just a little bit? Could you let this opportunity for the church to be the church? Do you think you could allow some of the ladies to come together and throw your wife like a baby shower? Could you let the church have a baby dedication so you can invite friends and family and have a sense of community? Could you allow the church that when your wife does give birth that you, you have aunties and I personally volunteer my mother-in-law, Annie, <laughs> to babysit your kids, right? Could you let the church bear this burden with you? Could you let the church do a meal train for you and your family so that you don't have to feel alone in this situation, that we bear one another's burdens and we go through life together? And, um, you know, I'm just amazed at the heart of this church and where you guys are at. And, but I, just as Paul told Thessalonians, the Thessalonian church is like, hey, what you're doing, do it more and more. Excel in it more and more. About three weeks ago, we, um, we prayed off and we blessed the Simpson Ohana. Pastor Micah uh, went ahead with the kids. Sigrid is here um, just to hold the fort down for uh, just a couple, for a brief season. But Micah sent me this text last week. He says, thanks for everything, for the prayers, for the gifts, the love, the spiritual and edible food. We are eternally grateful for the hospitality and kindness of the whole New Hope Community Church. Praise report, our prayers were, were our most pressing needs, was for a place to live and a good school for the kids. And boom, emoji of a dynamite, boom, all right? <laughs> Both of those were answered today. We have a place to live and the school is in walking distance. We landed yesterday and already feel the provision and the guidance of the Lord in Tustin. We'll keep you guys updated. You know, our church, we bore this burden as gospel partners, man. They're young, they're family of four. You know, four kids, family of six, they're gonna do a restart in Tustin. That's difficult. So we as a church, we bore burdens. We blessed them. We prayed for them. You know, our church um, generously gave over $5,000 so that they could have some seed money and travel and security deposit. But this is what the body of Christ is for, right? We're here to get each other's back. We're here to support one another, love one another, serve one another. And that's why Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John 17 says, Lord, I pray that they may be one. You and I will be one. And that they, I will be in them as you and I are in me. And he says, then the world will believe that you have sent me by the way that they love one another. <coughs> and the depth of our relationships, the health of our relationships is connected 
to our maturity in the Lord. So this morning, in a spirit of transparency, like if you feel like the church has forsaken you or abandoned you, I apologize. Whether it's this church or another church that might have injured you or taken advantage of you or you felt like they weren't there for you, could I speak blessing and healing in Jesus' name? That you, you and I would continue to bear one another's burdens, that we would fulfill the law of love, the law of Christ, and that as we love each other, Jesus would be glorified and the world would believe in Him because of how we care for one another. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. And <clears throat> we're just grateful, O oh Lord. That you brought the kingdom of heaven down here on earth. That you allow us to taste what the kingdom of God is like in heaven, but you allow us to experience it here now on earth. That in the kingdom of God, there's love, there's acceptance, there's forgiveness, there's humility, there's unconditional love, there's humble servitude, there's unbreakable unity. But Lord, through our relationships here on earth, we get a glimpse that we get to experience that here now. And so Lord, I pray, Father, right now for... Um, every single person here Lord for the husbands that they would bear the burdens of their wives that the husbands here oh Lord God would empathize would carry would understand would have a deep sympathy in walking with their wives and live in an understanding manner so that their prayers are not hindered First Peter says Lord, I pray, God, for all the wives in here, Lord, that, that they would bear the weight and the responsibility, Lord, along with their husbands. That, Lord, I pray that you would give them grace and understanding and sympathy, Lord, that before we apply this to people at church or to strangers, we apply it to our most precious and valuable relationships, Lord. That's our families. Lord, I pray, God, for the parents that they would empathize and bear the burdens of their children go back to what it was to be a teenager and to be insecure and wanting to be cool and wanting to fit in and wanting um, approval and wanting um, and falling into peer pressure Lord that the parents would have grace for their children Lord I pray God in our relationships here Lord that we would live in the kingdom of God filled with your spirit in community Lord, I ask, Lord, that there would be a, a mutual accountability to one another. Lord, that we, will, we don't have to wait for others to reach out to us, but, Lord, we would reach out to others. That we would live in genuine, dynamic relationships. Lord, I pray, God, that as we all stand before you alone by ourselves, I pray, Father, that we would have loved you well, loved each other well, that we would love one another, serve one another, bear each other's burdens, confess our sins to one another, and so, Lord, fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, we're grateful for who you are. We're thankful for what you've done. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together.